NFL Hall of Fame running back Emmitt Smith holds the NFL record for most all-time rushing yards, 18,355 altogether. And that's going 10.4 miles. But he went 10.4 miles with 250-pound linebackers hanging all over him. Now, my friend Mark Batterson met Emmett Smith a few years ago, and Emmett shared with him one of his secrets for success. Emmett called it the 24-hour rule. And he said, win or lose, I gave myself 24 hours to celebrate the win or lament the loss. And then I had to forget about it because the next day it was back to business, back to the basics. Really, the 24-hour rule should be applied to all of life. The 24-hour rule is nothing new. In fact, it's all through Scripture. Jesus said, when you pray, you ought to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say, give us this day, or give us our weekly bread, or our monthly bread, or our yearly bread, but he said, our daily bread, one day at a time. The 24-hour rule. And in the Old Testament, God gave the children of Israel this manna, this perfect bread from heaven that every morning they would wake up, they'd go out on the desert floor, and there would be this perfect bread from heaven. But God said, there's an expiration date on the manna, 24 hours. You're only to collect enough for one day. Now, some would go out and try to collect enough for a week. But the next day, they would look into their pantry, and the manna they collected was rotting because it was based on the 24-hour rule. We see it all through Scripture. The psalmist said, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't say, someday will be a great day that the Lord has made. He said, today, the next 24 hours, the 24-hour rule again. And Jesus said, let us take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily, and not just one day or when you go to church or when you feel like it, but daily, today, the 24-hour rule. In fact, God created the earth and you to operate on the 24-hour rule. Look at this passage at the very beginning of God's word, Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So a day was one of the first things that God created. Before he created the mountains and the animals and people, he set up that time frame. He framed the manner in which he wanted us to experience and live life. 24 hours, one day. Right from the start, our time here on earth was to be measured in days with a beginning and an ending, evening and morning. And this will continue for as long as the earth exists. Life is to be lived in 24-hour compartments. God set it up that way. Life is just a stitching together of days. We encounter life one day at a time. The 24-hour rule. Studies show that by the end of January, 75% of people have already failed at their New Year's resolutions and given up completely. So if you've already failed and given up on your New Year's resolutions, then you're in the majority. That should make you feel good. 
Now, why is that? It's because when you think in one-year framework, it's really hard to see the ending. It's really hard to grasp the finish line because you were made to live in the 24-hour rule. It would be much better to have small habits that you do on a daily basis. That creates the biggest change over time. We've been talking about that in this series, habits, how it's the small changes that create big results. And today we're gonna talk about the power of 24 hours. Because if you can change what you do in a day, you can change your life. Can you do it for one day? If you change what you do in a day, you change your whole life. That's the difference a day makes because your daily habits determine your destiny. So how do I change my 24 to change my whole life? Well, Jesus in Matthew 11 gives us the secret to really taking advantage of the 24-hour rule. So would you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11 and would you stand in honor of God's word? And I wanna welcome all you guys at Woodlands Church at Tascacita. Pastor Daniel and the team out there, you guys are amazing. And I wanna welcome all of you at Woodlands Church North Point, Pastor Dustin. We got a great team out there and everyone here in the Woodlands campus and all of you guys worshiping with us on the internet, connected online to our online campus or through our broadcast ministry. We're all connected as one church built on the word of God. And, and I know that Jesus wants to speak this word to somebody today. There's somebody out there that needs this desperately. Probably all of us, but I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants to speak these words to someone who's carrying heavy burdens, who feels weighed down today, who feels like it's hard to take another step. He wants to change what you do in a day to change your life. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Dear Lord, I know that you know the burdens that every person within the sound of my voice are carrying right now. And I thank you that you care about them and you have the power, Lord, to hold them. And I just pray today that you would just open our hearts and minds to hear your word in such a way that we put it into our lives. Because Lord, your word was written not to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. So do that in the next few moments, Lord. Just take the words from your word and put them into our hearts in such a way that we're never the same again. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So I want you to see there are four things that we really get from this passage about how to change your day so you don't underestimate the power of 24 hours. And the first thing is prioritize daily habits. I've gotta prioritize my daily habits. This is my backpack that I carry around every day. And I carry this backpack to the office, I carry it home. Sometimes I leave it in my car. Sometimes I forget to bring it home. But this is my backpack that I carry around each and every day. There's only one difference between how it looks right now and how it normally looks each and every day. It's usually stuffed to overflowing. I took most of everything out before I brought it out here today. 
um, so that I wouldn't lose anything, things wouldn't fall out because normally I can't zip it all up because it is stuffed so full with books and sermon materials and important folders and I've just got all kinds of things stuffed in there and I can't zip it up and, and, and sometimes Chris will see me walk out with it and she says, you're gonna lose something today. I mean, if things are just falling out of your backpack, you know, try to zip that thing up. But I want you to imagine with me for a moment that this backpack represents your daily schedule. That this backpack represents all the events and the activities that you pack into your day. And some of you treat your daily schedule like I treat my backpack. I mean, you, you've got your daily schedule so overstuffed that things are just falling out all over the place and you can't keep it all together. Your schedule's so overcrowded and your vision is clouded and you're not living from your priorities, you're just living from the pressures that everyone else is putting on you and it's all falling apart. You just can't keep it all going. And so what we wanna do is think about all those activities and events that we pack into our daily schedule. And to really live by the 24-hour rule, we've gotta prioritize what's in that backpack. You see, the first thing I have to do to live by the 24-hour rule is to examine my backpack of daily activities to see if what's in the backpack is really my priorities or someone else's pressures. Is it really my values and the things that are really important or is it just things that are urgent? Is it something that's not really coming from my heart's values? And so the first thing you've gotta do to live by the 24-hour rule is to examine what's in your backpack of daily activities to make sure it truly is your priorities. When you check your bags at an airport going on an overseas flight, for security reasons, they always ask you, did anyone else help you pack your bags? Did anyone give you something to put into your bags? Somebody you don't know give you something to put into your bags to take with you. And really, that's the question we ought to ask about our daily backpack of activities. We ought to ask, did anyone else put their priorities into my backpack of daily activities? Did anyone else put what's important to them into my daily schedule? Because as you go through life, people are always trying to stuff their priorities into your daily schedule. So I have to zip up my backpack. And how do I do that? By taking time to make a list of my priorities. Make a list of your daily priorities in order, the things that are non-negotiable, the things that are your daily priorities that you're gonna do, make a list of it and make it in order because if you don't make a list of your daily priorities, really you're just walking around with a backpack that's wide open and unzipped. You're walking around all day. Now, sometimes, you know, when I've gone through airports and things are just hanging out of my backpack, Chris always says, somebody's gonna steal something from you and you're not even gonna know it, you know? But that's not the way it works with your daily schedule. The backpack of your daily schedule, people don't steal anything from it. They just stuff things in it. If you don't decide what's important to you, everyone else will be glad to decide it for you. And so you've got to sit down and write out those important priorities in order 
You've got to check your backpack of your daily schedule to see if anyone else has stuffed things in there that they're pressuring you to do that's not coming from your priorities because everyone else would be glad to stuff their priorities into your daily schedule. And so you zip up your backpack. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, I like the Living Bible paraphrase, paraphrase on this because it says, my yoke fits perfectly. And when Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, the word easy there literally means well-fitted, that it, that it fits perfectly, that it's unique to you, that it fits you perfectly. Now, Jesus certainly knew what he was talking about here as he grew up learning carpentry from his father Joseph in Galilee. And in Christ's day, a yoke for the oxen was always made of wood. And the way it would work is the farmer would come to the carpenter with the ox, and then the carpenter, sort of like a tailor, would uh, take measurements of the ox. And then they would start carving out the yoke and hewing it out to make it perfectly fit that ox because each yoke was tailor-made, custom-made to fit each ox. And so they would carve it out, and then they would fit it, and then carve it a little more. Then they would fit it again, do another fitting, and they would carve it out until it just fit perfectly because if the yoke didn't fit the ox perfectly, then it would tear into the animal's skin, irritate the animal, and the animal wouldn't be as productive and effective in the fields. And so it was so important for the carpenter to custom make each yoke for each ox. And so Jesus, growing up as a carpenter in Galilee, probably made many yokes for many oxen. And so he knew what he was talking about when he said that my yoke fits perfectly. He was saying that I have a plan for your life that fits you perfectly. It is tailor-made just for you. I have custom-made a daily plan for you that fits you perfectly. It is not someone else's pressures. It's not someone else's priorities. It's perfect for you. And that's why I need to first pray and ask God what's important to him because he knows what's best for me. And so that's the first thing I wanna do is ask God what should be on my list. Ask God what should be on my list of daily priorities. And in James 1.5, it says, if you wanna know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you, for he's always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. He will not resent it. And so first, ask God, God, what should be on my daily priority list. I need to know from you because you made me and you have this daily plan that fits me perfectly. You have these daily priorities that fit me perfectly. And then you write out your list. Write out my list. You wanna write out maybe two or three or four daily priorities. Not 20, not even 10. These are the things that if you don't get anything else done during your day, you're gonna do these things. You start with just maybe two or three or four, and you write them down. There's power in the pen. When you take enough time with your life to write something down, when you take enough time with your one and only life to determine how you're going to live your one and only life, rather than just coast through life, and just kind of like a pinball, getting bounced from pressure to pressure, because you'll live life either by your priorities or by your pressures from someone else. And then I dedicate my day to God. So I ask God what should be on my list. I write down those two or three or four daily priorities that I'm gonna do if I don't get anything else done. They're gonna become part of who I am. And then each day, 
I say, God, here's my list. You know, help me do these things. But I give it all to you because I take your yoke upon me because it fits me perfectly. And you're in control of my life. So I dedicate this date to you. And the first thing that should be on your list if you're a Christ follower is to spend time with the God who created time. That's the very first thing. Now, I don't know what should be the other two or three things on your list because those will be custom made just for you, a yoke that will fit perfectly for you and not me. And my yoke won't fit your yoke. But yet, if you're a Christ follower, I know the first thing that should be on your list. The first thing I've got to put in my backpack on my daily schedule is God's word. I've got to spend time in God's word. In Proverbs 10, 27, it says, reverence for God adds hours to each day. He's saying, you put God first, he'll expand your day to get the things done that you need to get done. It's amazing how this works. I don't understand it, but it works. And that is when you put God first, he gives you the strength, the power, the clarity of vision to get the things done that you need to get done. It's like he expands the day. It seems like there's more than 24 hours in the day when you put God first. And we're doing this thing called 50 Days of Prayer, where every day I'm doing a video devotional, just sharing with you what I'm learning in my quiet time. And we're doing it on prayer. We're studying passages on prayer. And then we've got a little journal that we're writing down our prayer request, and we're praying to God, and we're seeing God answer prayers. And we're learning how to pray together. And so we're just in the middle of it right now. And Monday, tomorrow, we start back again, it's Monday through Friday on all our social media platforms, our website, the app, and 8 a.m. we upload it, and so it's new every day, but you pick the time that's best for you. Maybe it's five o'clock in the morning, maybe it's 10 o'clock at night, whatever's best for you, have a consistent time, but it's just five to 10 minutes, and you have a little journal, and then you read what we're reading in God's Word. You write down some things that he's teaching, you write down a couple things to pray about, so important to develop that into a daily habit, to put that first. Sometimes people say, I don't have time to pray. I'm just too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray. The busier you get, the more you need that time with God. And so we all have daily habits. A lot of times we just don't notice it. We, we all do these things every day, these rituals almost that we do every day. Sometimes they're just time-wasting rituals and maybe just clicking through on our smartphone and our news feeds and all those things that kind of just waste some time. Did you know the average person in their lifetime will spend six years of their life eating? Six years of your life you'll spend eating. Some of us, maybe 10 years, 20 years, maybe different for a few of you. And the average person in their lifetime will spend five years waiting in line, socially distanced, of course, Five years, I mean, that's discouraging. Did you know the average person will spend one whole year looking for misplaced objects? I totally believe that. I've spent five years looking for my keys, at least five years. I mean, that's discouraging. But the average Christian will spend less than seven months of their whole lifetime with the God of the universe. Less than seven months of their whole lifetime, no wonder we're powerless, purposeless, and no wonder we're restless and empty on the inside. You gotta put first things first this year. First things first. If you don't get anything else done, that's the one thing. You're gonna 
develop a daily habit of spending time with God. It will change you. Because the two things that change you the most are the people you spend time with and the books you read. Spend time reading the good book, spending time with God, you become more like him. That'll change you more than anything else. When everything gets really complicated in my life and I feel like I've got 20 priorities that I've just got to do and so many people are depending on me, I go right back to the one thing and that's spend time with the God who created time itself. And it changes time. Make it a priority. There'll always be a thousand different things that the enemy will try to get you to do to miss out on that time. But put first things first. So I make a list maybe three or four things, my daily habits that are non-negotiables. I'm gonna do these things if nothing else gets done and I plan a time for each of them and I plan a place for each of them and I have that worked out and then I dedicate my day to God and then I'm doing the 24-hour rule. But there's another 24 rule, not just the 24-hour rule, there's a 24-day rule. Studies show that if you do something for 24 days, it becomes an ingrained habit. It becomes part of who you are. If you do something for 24 days straight. So God wants you to do something that's important, that's gonna make all the difference. 24 hours for 24 days. But then there's a second thing. Prioritize my daily habits, but expect divine interruptions. That is, plan your day and then expect your plan to be interrupted. Yeah, I take my backpack of my daily priorities, I zip it up so no one else can put their pressures into my daily schedule, but inevitably, without me knowing it, God will unzip my backpack and he will place a divine interruption that interrupts my perfect plan. And I hate it. I mean, because you know I have this great plan and God's messing with my plan. I hate it when God messes with my plan. I I tend to get frustrated about that because it's a good plan. But God wants us to learn to hold our plan lightly and not too tightly. If you hold it too tightly, it will crush the joy out of your life. In Matthew 11.30, Jesus says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He's saying if you stay connected to me, you won't hold your plan too tightly, but you'll learn to hold it lightly so you won't miss a divine interruption. If you hold it too tightly, it just crushes the life out of you. And folks, life isn't about a list, it's all about love. Life isn't about rules, it's all about relationships. And we have to keep that in mind. Proverbs 16, nine says we make our plans but the Lord determines our steps. Saying we're supposed to make a daily plan We're supposed to make plans so that we can be more effective and productive, doing the things that are most important, not the things that are urgent, not wasting time, but taking advantage of the time, grasping what we know to be the will of God. But we have to remember that it's his yoke, that he's the one in control. He's the master and commander. And so when the divine interruption comes, don't sweat that small stuff, surrender to the Savior. But the key is, Discerning the difference between a divine appointment and a daily distraction. Discern the difference between a divine appointment and a daily distraction because every day the enemy Satan brings 24 distractions my way, trying to distract me from my priorities so that I'll waste my life. 
And the secret to success in life is knowing the difference between a divine appointment and the devil's distractions from my priorities. And I have to ask God for wisdom. So God, is this a divine interruption where you really have something powerful here that maybe I can't even recognize? Is there something here that is of you? Or is this just the devil trying to get me distracted from my purpose and my priorities? And God will give you that wisdom. Another really good question to ask when an interruption comes to your plan is, is this a chance to make a difference in someone else's life? Or will this keep me from making a difference in someone else's life? For example, if a coworker comes into your office while you're working on a major project and they begin to gossip about the boss, then you know that's just the enemy's distraction because it's keeping you from getting your work done and doing it with excellence for the Lord, your ultimate boss. You're under God's authority, and therefore, since you're working there, you're under that manager's authority. And if you don't get that work done, you're not gonna be able to put your family ahead of work. You're not gonna be able to go home and be totally there with your family. And so, that's just the devil's distraction, that you gotta zip the backpack up and say, Nope, not gonna, I don't have time for this. Uh, but on the other hand, if a coworker comes into your office while you're working on a major project and says, I don't know what to do, my spouse wants to leave me, then that's probably a divine appointment where you can make a difference in their life, where you minister to them, where you can be Jesus to them at that time. And we have to hold our plan lightly so that we can let go for those divine interruptions so that we can see that it's not about our plan, it's about God's plan. So I prioritize my daily habits, I expect divine interruptions, but thirdly, I decide to live in the moment. This is so important. According to psychologists Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert, the average person spends 46.9% of their time thinking about something other than what they're doing at the present moment. We spend 46.9% of our time thinking about something other than what we're doing at the moment. What that means is we're half present half the time and totally ineffective. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Jesus said, if you walk with me, you'll learn these unforced rhythms of grace. You'll have the grace to live in the moment. You will see the miracle in the mundane moments of life. You will be totally engaged in life, totally present. You see, when you're only 46.9% of the time, you're always thinking about something other than what you're doing, then you're just missing out on life. You're missing life. Jesus Christ had the greatest purpose of anyone who's ever walked this earth, and yet he knew to accomplish that purpose, it had to be lived one moment at a time. He had to live in each moment, being fully engaged in each moment in order to fulfill his purpose. He spent the first 30 years of his life in total obscurity in a carpenter shop. And he's the God of the universe until finally at 30, he starts his three years of ministry. But he lived in each moment. Each and every moment was just as sacred. And he fulfilled his purpose because you can't fulfill your purpose if you don't live in the moment. If you don't learn the secret to decide to live in each moment because you can't be in the past and the future and the present all at once, 
Life has to be lived in the moment. That's all we can live life in is in the moment. And when you're always looking to tomorrow for something big tomorrow, then you miss out on the moment. And the miracle is always in the moment. You have to decide you're gonna live in the moment. You see Jesus Christ, God himself. You know, in heaven, here he is in the future. He's in the past, he's in the present. He's not limited by time and space. But he limited himself when he came to this earth where he had to, like us, live in the moment. And we have to live in the moment. We have no other choice. And if we choose not to live in the moment, we're gonna miss the miracle. We're gonna miss out on life. When my kids were growing up, I had this terrible habit of, when I was at home, I was always thinking about work and the things that I didn't get done or the things I needed to do or the stresses. And I would be with them playing, but I would not even be thinking about it. My mind would be elsewhere. And sometimes I would be at work and I'd be thinking about what I need to do at home. And, and, and I was so distracted and trying to multitask so many different things. And finally, Chris and I decided we weren't gonna live that way anymore. And she had heard someone say this, wherever you are, be all there. And we decided to live by that mantra. Wherever you are, be all there. We started teaching our kids, wherever you are, be all there in that moment, because that's the only place you can really be. Totally engaged. And if you don't, you're gonna miss out on life. Wherever you are, be all there. In Ephesians 5.15, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Did you know time can be redeemed? You will either redeem your time or regret your time. At the end of your life, you'll either have redeemed your time here on earth, or you'll regret how you spent your time here on earth. It's either redemption or regret. So how do you redeem time? 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You redeem time by living in the now. That's the only way you can redeem time. Did you know there are two Greek words for time? We only have one word for time, time, in the English language but there are two Greek words for time. The first one is chronos, and it's where we get our word chronological from, and you can kind of guess that chronos is time by the clock. It's what the clock tells you. It's, you know, meet me at 8.30 in the morning. That's chronos time. That's the word chronos, and because our clocks move in a circle, and that second hand, that minute hand, that hour hand move in a circle, we start to think that if I don't get something done by nine o'clock tonight, I can get it done by nine o'clock in the morning. If I don't get it done by nine o'clock in the morning, I get it done by nine o'clock the next evening. And we just kind of think that, that time moves in a circle, but it really doesn't. It, chronological doesn't move in a circle. Time really just moves in a straight line. And once that time is passed, you can't get it back again. Once that hour that minute, that second is gone, then it's gone. It's chronological time. But the Greeks had a second word for time that's so powerful. It's kairos. And kairos means time in those moments of opportunity. It means opportunity. These opportunities, these moments that come our way, it's not time in minutes, it's time in the moment. It's seizing 
the moment to redeem time. And in that passage, 2 Corinthians 6.2, it says, I tell you, now is the kairos of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the opportunity, the moment. If you think of time as opportunities, then you seize the opportunity, you seize the day, and you redeem the time. And then you eliminate your regrets at the end of your life. But if you don't seize the opportunities, you don't redeem your time. So I need the wisdom to seize the day and redeem it for eternity. Another question to ask is, well, what I'm doing lasts forever. Is this eternal? Is there anything eternal to what I'm doing right now? Because you redeem time by investing in time here, seizing opportunities that come your way here that make an eternal difference. And so what lasts for eternity? Well, God's word lasts. I've told you this many times that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. So anytime you spend time in God's word, it's building your character. You're gonna take that into eternity, so it's gonna last forever. You're redeeming time. People last forever, so anytime you connect with others in relationship, it's really all about relationships, relationship with God, relationship with others, then you're doing something that's gonna last for eternity. When you're focused on others, when you're making a difference in someone else's life, when you're helping someone else come to heaven one day because people will live on in eternity. And then the church is eternal. The church is the only organization on this earth that will last forever. There's a lot of great organizations you ought to join, a lot of great things you can get involved in, but I can tell you the church is the only one that's gonna last forever because it is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and it's all God's plan. He's building a forever family called the church to live with him forever in eternity. It's his forever family. And so anytime you join a local church, connect, serve, are a part of a local church family, then you are doing something that is eternal. And so what are you doing that's eternal? A lot of us are half-heartedly committed to a 100 different things instead of being totally committed to a few things that are eternal, that make a real difference. And by the way, our membership class is today at one o'clock. And it's gonna be a big class today. And that's how you join Woodland Church. I'm teaching it. It's two hours from one to three. You can take it at one of our campuses. You can take it right here at the Woodlands campus or Atascacita or North Point at one o'clock. Or you can go home and take it online and connect with us online. You can take it online. But that's how you join. And for some of you, it's time to get off the sidelines and connect to the eternal organization called the church. You know, there are a lot of great churches around here. You ought to join one and get in God's will. You know, I'd love for you to join here, but the main thing is you join a church. As long as they teach God's word is true and lift up Jesus Christ as our way and our only hope, then that's great. It doesn't matter which one you join, but if you, if you like this one, you know, then, then that means that God wants you to join this one. Join Woodland's church. And I believe with all my heart that God is doing something amazing here and he wants you to be a part of it. He needs you to be a part of it. But you've got to make the decision. So now you've got a Kairos moment. If you haven't joined a church, you've got a Kairos moment here, an opportunity. And you don't get to decide when the Kairos moments come your way. They're always in the now and then you've got to make the choice whether you're gonna miss the moment or you're gonna seize the moment. It's always right before us. If you hadn't signed up for the membership class, that's okay, just come on at one o'clock. We feed you, we take care of your kids. 
It's amazing, it's so exciting, and there's no excuses. But let me bring it down to the fourth thing. Leave the day's burdens with God. So I prioritize my daily habits, I expect divine interruptions, and then I decide to live in each moment, but I have to leave the day's burdens with God. Each and every day as I go through my day, I pick up burdens and stresses, I pick up hurts and wounds. I pick up all these things that I have my backpack zipped so that others can't put their pressures into my priorities. But through my day, I add things that I wish I didn't add. I add failures and mistakes and sins that start weighing my backpack down. And by the end of the day, I mean, it's heavy. It's hard to carry around. By the end of each and every day, I look back on that, 24 hours, I look back at the end of my day and many times all I see is 24 failures. I see times that I miss those divine opportunities and I see times when I just fell for the distraction and wasted time and wasted my life. Sometimes I look back on all that I've accomplished at the end of a day and all I see is 24 distractions, uh, 24 wrong decisions, 24 steps backwards, 24 failures. And sometimes I look back at the end of the day and I see that God brought all this success. But then immediately I start feeling the weight of keeping it all going. And I start thinking about tomorrow and, and I forget that it was all God that did it and I start feeling the weight and I start having 24 questions about tomorrow, 24 worries about tomorrow, 24 burdens about tomorrow that start weighing me down. And then I remember the 24-hour rule. And then I remember at the end of each day, I've got to leave my backpack of burdens, all my failures, all my successes, all my worries, all my regrets. I have to leave them with God. I can't take them into the next day. I have to give them up and give them over to the Lord God. At the end of each day, I can just give it to God, and I don't take them into the next day. That's the 24-hour rule. You were made to live in 24-hour tight compartments. And every day, at the end of the day, you gotta give that day to God. You gotta forget about your failures, forget about your successes. Forget about all the regrets because you've got another day. Now, here's the thing I've noticed. A lot of Christ followers take that backpack of regrets and sins and failures and and it gets really heavy. It's like there's all these bricks inside their backpack of all the missed opportunities and regrets and, and all the failures. And they'll take that backpack and they'll come into church and then they'll lay the backpack down and and worship God, and they'll feel so light, and they hear the message, and it just means so much, and it feels like all their burdens are gone, and and they just see a bright future, and then they pick up their backpack and walk out at the end, and they just keep carrying it around all the time, and it's always with them, and it just weighs them down, and it keeps them from victory. It keeps them from experiencing God's pleasure. It keeps them from experiencing God's purpose for their life, and They can't really 
experience the newness of each day because they pick up the backpack when they wake up and they carry it into the day and it still has all those bricks from the past in it. The hurts, the wounds, the failures, and and they carry it with them wherever they go. Today is the day that God says, you bring that backpack of regret and lay it at the cross. And I love this last verse in Lamentations. 322, the Lord's acts of mercy indeed do not end, for his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness because as sure as the sun rises, God's mercies are new every morning. The 24-hour rule, it's a new day. The 24-hour rule, it's a new opportunity to seize the moment. Each and every day, God's mercies are new. When you lay your head on the pillow at night, Give that backpack of all your regrets, failures, sins, everything about the day, give it to God, and it's a fresh day the next day. You gotta bury your dead yesterdays, or they will dog you into the future and keep you from God's purpose. You gotta bury our dead yesterdays. You can't do anything about it. All you can do is give it to God, ask for his forgiveness, and move into the new mercies that he has for you. You bury your dead yesterdays and stop worrying about those unborn tomorrows and you live in this moment and you seize this moment and you'll experience God's power. I want us to bow our heads. Lord, I know that what I've shared today is where it's at. Lord, it's not in some big miracle tomorrow. It's not in the regrets of yesterday, but it's right here, right now in this moment, this Kairos moment that we feel, Lord, so strongly right now. I know that everyone within the sound of my voice is feeling that Kairos moment. It's our opportunity, Lord, to say, don't wanna waste my life anymore. Don't wanna waste my time. Life's too short to hold on to hate. Life's too short to hold on to regrets. Life is too short, Lord Jesus, to spend it doing things that won't matter five years from now, much less for all eternity. Lord, I pray today that we would seize this moment by surrendering to you. And I pray for all those, Lord Jesus, who you spoke into their hearts today, that they would really put this into practice, that they would go home, they would pray, and they would write down those two or three or four things that fit them perfectly, Lord, that yoke, and they'd put your yoke on themselves and and allow you to be the master and controller. And that we would live in each moment, Lord, knowing that even in the most mundane moments, there's miracles, if we'll trust you. Help us to do that with your power. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us that you would help us take that backpack of regrets that weigh us down, all those failures from yesterday, and give them to you, and bring them to the cross and give you the burden so that you can set us free, Lord, to receive your mercies that are new every morning. I pray for those who have never received you into their life. Lord, they've carried a backpack of regret all their life, sins and failures, and we've all sinned, we've all failed. None of us measure up to your perfection, but I pray right now, Lord, that they would just pray this prayer to you silently in their heart, Dear Jesus Christ, I give you all my sins and regrets. I take them to the foot of the cross and I leave them with you and I ask for your free forgiveness and ask for your grace 
and ask for your mercy. And I ask you, Lord, to be my Lord, to guide me from now on. You who created time, I give you my time. And I also ask you to take me to heaven one day. I accept your free gift of heaven that I couldn't earn or deserve. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith to put into my backpack of daily activities the things that are most important and to let you lead and guide. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God. If you prayed, though, to receive Christ online or here in the auditorium, we wanna know about that so we can help you grow in your faith and you can just tell a pastor or one of our welcome team on the way out and we wanna give you information on how to grow in your faith. If you're online, just click raise your hand and we have pastors to talk with you. Um, It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And now we're at the point of our service where we give back, so let's do that. We don't take our offering and pass it around because it's not as safe. And so what we do is we still take our offering. We just don't pass the offering basket. And so take out your smartphone. That's how we give now. Take out your smartphone and you give by just texting the words give WC, but make it one word, give WC to 77977. And it goes right there to our push pay app and you can give securely or you can give online, wc.org slash give. You can do that from home on your computer or you can mail in your check or you can give if you're at one of our campuses on your way out. Give it to one of our welcome team members or put it in the offering boxes on your way out but give. And here's the thing. It really comes down to, if you want to put God first in your life, it's got to be the most important areas of your life. And my dad told me this once, and I never forgot it. And I I live by this. Chris and I have lived by this. And that is give God the first day of the week. Spend an hour at church the first day of the week so he can bless the rest of your week. That's what you're doing. Whether you're at home worshiping, really connecting and worshiping, or whether you're here, And then give God the first part of your day, 10 minutes, so that he can bless the rest of your day. And then give God the first portion of your income, the first, not last, not the leftovers, but the first and the best, so that he can bless the rest. And then give God the first consideration in every decision, and that will save you a lot of pain. I never forgot that. And that's how you put God first. So let's put him first in our finances, I don't care how you give, it's just let's give for God's glory and then pray God will multiply it. As we're reaching out, we're making a difference. So many people are hurting in our church and we're helping them through our benevolence ministry. We're meeting the needs of millions of people in our area and around the world through our missions and our ministries and so pray for God to multiply that. And and as you do, as you give, I believe with all my heart, God has a victory in store for you. I see a victory coming up, a huge victory for God's glory and for your good. And we claim that victory in Jesus' name. But it's gonna happen one day at a time within that 24-hour framework, in that 24-hour rule. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now is the time. Let's stand together, Woodland Church, and let's sing, I see a victory, and let's claim it, and let's walk in that victory. Forget about the past. Stop worrying about the future and let's live in this moment. This is the victory moment that God has for you. We live in this moment. We claim victory because Jesus Christ has already defeated Satan. 
He's defeated death, he's defeated the grave, and he is alive. And this is not a funeral service, this is a celebration service because we have a God who is alive and we praise him because he's here right now to make all the difference in our lives. I see a victory for you coming up. I see us stepping into victory in the next few days, but it's gonna be one day at a time, one victory at a time. And God's gonna give that to you. Let's sing it and let's believe it and let's live it in Jesus' name. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.